1: You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie. So, up this hour, we have hashtag Taiwan hosted by Leslie Liao, our social media guru who gives you the latest on social media trends. And after that, we have Status Update hosted by John and Shirley. It is our interactive show where we tell you about all the fun interaction we've been having with our listeners. But first, join us for here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan, a look at the biggest and most interesting stories coming out of Taiwan. In the studio today, we have Leslie Liao. Hey, everybody. Catherine Wei. Hi. And I am Natalie So. It is Tuesday, August 25th. And we'll be talking about should COVID-19 testing replace quarantine and why our health minister doesn't think so. Also, Jeremy Lin got a Taiwanese passport. People are pretty excited about that. And there's a 94-year-old basketball coach who is still going strong also the Paraguayan president was seen wearing a Taiwanese special forces jacket those stories and more coming right up well first of all you know this past weekend there's been a lot of debate over COVID-19 testing and if that should be a way to replace or shorten quarantine and what do you guys think about that
2: um well there's a lot of discussion about when you bring it up to testing because tests aren't exactly infallible there's a lot of times there are false positives there's false negatives and there's negative negatives or something like that i don't know but when you want to leave everything up to something that isn't 100 percent certain then people will get through like things will start falling through the cracks
1: right yeah. So actually, our health minister, you know, came out and said that actually it would not um, be good. He actually gave some numbers with the current amount of people who are in quarantine all year long this year. If we had done testing, there would be 500 false negatives, meaning about 500 people would have it and then would be released and they would be spreading it throughout the community um, if that were to replace quarantine. Mm-hmm. And... There would also be over twelve thousand false positives, so those people would have to be, you know, isolated in the hospitals. Twelve thousand, yeah, that's, that's a lot. And then, you know, it would um, all their contacts would have to be traced, mm-hmm. and you know, all the hospital and healthcare resources would be poured out pretty on pretty them. Pinched. So, mm-hmm. I think he's made a pretty good case for not letting testing replace quarantine.
3: I agree. I I still think people should go through quarantine like the 14 days is in place for for a reason. And even people who go through quarantine need multiple tests, right? I think like they used to have used to ask for three
1: tests to I think that's actually um, those who have the disease. And so they oh, need three tests to prove that they don't have it. the treatment. So, and now one of the reasons this got into the forefront was there was testing done in Zhanghua. Mm-hmm. And one person without symptoms, a teenager, was found to have it during quarantine. So anyways, there's a lot of discussion of whether this should be uh, done on a regular basis or if it should be um, done to replace quarantine or shorten quarantine. But right now, um, people are not tested uh, during quarantine unless they show symptoms.
2: Right. So, so I think quarantine is still the way to go, mainly because I think the main reason behind that controversy in Zanghua was because um, they pulled that kid out of quarantine and he went to the hospital himself. Like he oh. left the quarantine hospital and it, they asked him to go there. There was no taxi. There was no escort. It was just him out uh-huh. in the open going to the hospital and he got tested. Okay. He broke quarantine.
1: He broke quarantine. For he was the asymptomatic.
2: Test. Uh-huh. So, if this were like a case in a more populous city like Taipei and the kid took the MRT, oh, everybody gosh. in that MRT, like cart, that cabin would be at risk. Mm-hmm. So, that's where the issue's coming from. Like, why and where did the protocol slip? Where did it happen? Mm-hmm. And, um, who made the call for this kid to break quarantine, even though he was a confirmed case and he was asymptomatic. It's good that they caught that. Yeah. At the same time, in the process of catching that they broke several other protocols, which may Mm -hmm. have put a lot of people, other, other people at risk. And I think quarantine is still the way to go. That's the safest way just because, I mean, yes, there are people who still exhibit COVID symptoms or exhibit COVID after 14 days, but the issue At hand is, I mean, there's going to be even more people who can slip through the cracks if you mass test them who come back false negative. Mm -hmm. And what are they saying? Like a sample size of however many thousand fifty would come back with a false negative, meaning they are positive but and they are let back into the population. If you look at fifty right now, we only have four hundred sixty somewhat cases. That's a huge increase if we go from four hundred something to five hundred, right? Especially when over the past few days we've only been one, one, two over there. Mm. And I think this is not about whether or not finding more cases. I mean, if there was this huge outbreak, inevitably, like something would, somebody would see something's going on. Mm. Like a lot of people are saying, well, I think Taiwan's being very naive about the whole situation. Like how can we have 465? Yeah. At the same time, you can't not go on about your life as Taiwan has and not had, have some very uh, apparent indicator that there would be an outbreak.
1: So I actually think Taiwan's doing a great job. We should just keep on doing what we've been mm-hmm. doing. You know, very careful about quarantine and contact tracing, which doesn't happen in a lot of the countries like the U.S. So- I think
3: quarantine and home isolation makes more, the most sense, like economically. We don't have that many manpower to track people. We don't have that many medical sources. We're trying to reserve the resources for people who actually needed, for people who are confirmed cases. So that's
1: what makes more, most sense right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think we all agree with our health minister.
4: Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan.
0: Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we hear that Jeremy Lin has a Taiwanese passport. That's pretty cool. It
3: is. He got the passport end of July, I think. But the interesting thing is he's still playing for Beijing, like a national team in Beijing. And recently, the Chinese government has some new rules that will, with his Taiwanese passport, it'll make him a domestic player in China.
1: So there are actually limitations for how many uh, foreign players can be on a team and on court. So there's Mm -hmm. only a... two foreign players who can be on a team in China and only one playing on the court at one time. So I think that gives him some more flexibility.
3: Right. It'll lift the limitations otherwise if you were just a, a foreigner playing for China.
1: I think that also means he can play for Taiwan national team.
3: He can, and that, I think, it. yeah, he hasn't decided yet. It'll also be tied to his military service. Like If he's going to play for Taiwan's national team, he only has to serve for two weeks. Oh right! And if he doesn't, that also been nice. I, I know.
2: Him
4: in the <laughs>
2: that would have been nice. <laughs> I would have liked to be in the military for only two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> or my conscription service at least.
3: Yeah, it it won't be like hardcore actual military stuff. You know, special forces. I'll
1: probably be nice to him. <laughs> yeah, he'll be sitting in an office somewhere. Oh. <laughs> I think. I think people are wondering if he was thinking of coming to Taiwan, mm. right? But this may be. To make his life and career in, in Beijing easier. Maybe, nice. yeah.
3: And I I think half of his family is still here. I mean... Yeah, his brother's
1: playing here. Yeah, so it'll be nice. So, whatever happens, at least he has more options, right? Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He's more based in Taiwan. Um, we're happy that he's Taiwanese. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and he was... Like He had a mentorship
3: program going on a few years ago, I think, with kids who play basketball here or kids who want to play basketball professionally. So maybe it'll be fun if he keeps doing that. Like He's the first Taiwanese-American, or yeah, not the first Asian-American, right? The first Taiwanese-American to join the NBA.
2: No, there was a Taiwanese-American before that. He was half Taiwanese, half American. Really? And I forgot. He played for the... I think he played for the Knicks back in like... In the nineties. But oh, he's really? not the first that's a common misconception. He is oh, not the first Chinese wow. American. Someone or has to change the
3: Wikipedia page for Jeremy
2: <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, but that guy never he was never as high profile as Jeremy uh, okay. Lynn. Makes sense. I can't remember if- who he was. My goodness. This is such a bad time to have a memory fault, but um yeah, common misconception.
1: Mm-hmm. But also for the Knicks. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's interesting. But, um, you know, he has special ties to Taiwan. And, of course, now they're even more special, right? They're more uh, real ties to Taiwan. Yeah. So, and you also have a story about another uh, basketball athlete, right? Tell us about this coach. Yes. There <laughs> is
3: a basketball coach who coaches um, in New Taipei City. He teaches elementary school students how to play basketball. And he's been doing it for over 40 years. But the point is he's 94 years old.
1: That's amazing. I know. Like he can still, like, move around the court and get other people to, to play mm-hmm. and train them. And-
3: yeah, the kids say he's still pretty smooth and knows what he's doing. He started at
2: 54 years old, like, I mean, basketball. he probably
3: played before that or taught something else. Like, So what wow. do the kids
1: say about him?
3: There's Well, the school's saying he's guobao, like a national treasure. National treasure, yeah. sure. Yeah, um... I don't know. Let's see what the kids stay, say about him.
2: I don't know. If I had a 94, oh man, like how old are these kids he's, he's trying to coach?
3: Like 11, 12.
2: Okay. Cause then there that just opens up the opportunity for like some first, some kid at the first day of school mm-hmm. sees this 94 <laughs> year old man being their coach and all of a sudden he has to take these kids to school <laughs> on the, uh, on the, on the court, obviously. I mean, he, he probably has a lot of experience under his hands. I mean, I see the picture over here. He's doing the double, double hand dribble, which is I don't know. Like, 94 years old as a basketball coach. I hope I'm that limber at his age. I hope I'm that limber at half his age.
3: I know. Even at (laughs) 70 years old, I don't think I can teach anything.
2: My dad's 77. I have trouble, like, imagining him playing basketball.
1: Oh. You know, I think if he's been doing it all these years, it's yeah. like, you know, he's already in shape. So mm-hmm. it's different than like and he just says- started at 90, right? <laughs> so I think if we start now and we, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. we stay active, I think we could be going strong. Yeah. yeah. He has no plans to retire soon. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's great. So that gives a lot of hope for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. We can be very active into our <laughs> later years. <laughs> So we had a cool image of the Paraguayan president uh, wearing something Taiwanese. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so a photo of Paraguayan president Mario Marito Abdo Benitez. He was spotted wearing a flight jacket with the Taiwanese flag uh, on the right shoulder. And there's a picture of him in front of a helicopter, and he's kind of, like, turning his shoulder (laughs) and showing everybody. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a Taiwanese jacket. Now, um, how this photo went viral was that... uh, President Tsai posted it to her Twitter feed, and she was saying, "Oh, thank you for you know showing off Taiwanese-Paraguayan uh, friendship." And the fun thing is, Taiwan and Paraguay have been allies, I think, for over is it a hundred years almost now? I think. Wow, what? It's been it's been they're, they're like one of the longest-lived uh, South American allies. I'm not sure if it's I don't think it's a hundred years. I'm sorry, I must have <laughs> messed that up, but. But um, since the
3: KMT days. Like, since since the, something like uh-huh,
2: that. Okay. Uh, wow. Apparently, the jacket he was wearing, it's a green flight jacket, and it belongs to the special Apache helicopter forces of Taiwan. Ooh. And uh, he was gifted it by President Tsai Ing-wen after he, uh, he visited Taiwan, and he was observing an anti-invasion drill over in Taoyuan uh, on October 9th, 2018. And he wore this too. of all things, he was opening a French school in Paraguay. So I don't that know who he's,
3: Kind of random. I don't know where he just random. thought
2: about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wear this, you know, Apache helicopter jacket. But... I think, we, think he nice, likes the jacket. Maybe yeah. it was a good day for green. I think there's another guy over here <laughs> with, a, with a green jacket when he was at the rub- ribbon cutting ceremony. Mm. I think... Benitez was just like, no, I got the coolest green jacket there.
3: And a bomber jacket is classic. It's a good look anywhere.
2: I don't think I pull. It. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, it's not my. It's you not can. my style of choice. In, in less than 24 hours, the picture got 5,401 likes, 788 retweets, and 272 comments. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's really interesting, especially at a time when anything having Taiwanese imagery is seen as kind of controversial. China
1: uh, sees it as. Remember no, when Top like, Gun, um, it was taken off of the Top Gun jacket. The jacket and Top Gun used to have the yeah, Taiwan flag in it, right? It, it was got to um, come off the second time.
2: Yeah, but there was a whole thing about that. People were saying it might have been a historical thing. Uh, but that movie's been delayed to the underworld and back because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. And no one's really been seeing that before. They had like the trailer of the before and after movie. So like the before. On the f- in the first movie trailer, they had the Taiwanese jacket, and then the second movie trailer, like that, the, the that. it was obviously gone. Wow. Don't know if there's like a plot point to it. Maybe, maybe not.
1: <laughs> I'm but guessing. But China no. has gotten a lot more powerful since the first movie.
2: <laughs> that's Just true. Put it that way. That's very true.
1: So that's cool seeing this uh, president right sporting a jacket with a Taiwanese flag on it. Yeah. He's pretty proud of uh, their ties with Taiwan. And that was a good move by President Biden to give him that jacket,
3: right?
2: I think so. Um,
1: it's kind of been her thing, right? The bomber
3: jackets.
2: Well, like, like yeah, it's not the her, same one that she had. The it's f- not. There was a re-election bomber jacket, right? For her campaign, and that sold yeah. out like that. And mm-hmm. that wasn't even like you can buy it. That was like a donation gift.
3: Yeah, it was, and they came back with another color. Oh, did like they? You can just buy it, but it was that. sold out too for
1: inauguration. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I was looking forward to that. That's
1: cool. Oh. She should sell them. <laughs> she should sell more of them and give more of them away, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we have a meteorologist telling us it's actually not so good to have few typhoons actually i enjoy the peace right of a a the lack of typhoons right but tell us about this leslie
2: so what happened in july was taiwan for the first time ever didn't see any typhoons in july this past july like for not a even a
3: while one. yeah
2: not even one is it we for had the- some
3: shower. i mean some storms. not like forever forever yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's like for, for the past Ten twenty years.
2: Ten twenty years. Like the first time like July had absolutely no typhoons, no tropical storms. And people are just like, oh, this is probably a good thing, not a lot of typhoons, farmers' crops are okay. Mm-hmm. Things like that. But uh, there's a meteorologist, his name is Peng Shi Ming, and he's just like, You guys this is like not a good thing because uh I guess this paves the way for some more powerful typhoons or so it works
3: like earthquakes
2: i guess i don't know he said um so basically what happened was he posted on facebook five photos the photos were from 2016 2017 2018 2019 2020 showing typhoon paths all through these five years Mm. and a lot of people have been asking him why typhoons have spared taiwan this year i think we've only ever really had any contact with two typhoons this past august
3: they barely did anything. They barely either. did yeah, anything. they just brushed by.
2: And uh, he said the answer is that it's a coincidence that cannot be explained by high pressure or topography. So he's just like, I don't really know. I don't really <laughs> it's know. It's a coincidence. But he said that from a standpoint of risk management, risk management, this is something <laughs> I took it in school as an economics major. I don't know why a meteorologist is talking about this. He's saying fewer typhoons than average is a warning sign, which implies that more attention should be paid to the risk of the future. He said um, there's going to be more rains, but we should not discount the possibility of more typhoons or stronger typhoons in the weeks or months ahead. I mean...
1: So okay. he's saying, don't be too happy about it. But it, he doesn't me- mention
3: anything about meteorology. Like, no, I would have liked something to support
2: his... Well, like, the, the one thing that he said about meteorology was also very alarming, because it's like, this cannot be explained by high, te- high pressure or topography. And, like, those are two very meteorological yeah. ideas. And when he says, like, that's not even a, fa- a factor anymore, then we're just dealing with something either, A, we don't know about, or, B, we're not looking in the right direction. Like, we shouldn't... We are approaching this from a meteorological standpoint where we should be approaching this from, I don't know, like stars or something? Star signs? <laughs> astronomy?
3: Well, this is a slow apop- apocalypse. This year feels like one. Like, we're slowly descending into madness, kind of. And now even the typhoons aren't on <laughs> track <laughs> okay, anymore. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's turn on to another topic. Anyways, this this kind of um, goes on with this. Actually, You know, microplastics are at their highest point in the summertime. Mm-hmm. We have so many. Every cubic water... Of, a meter of water off Geelong has 25 pieces of microplastic, which is like a piece of plastic five milliliters or less. So that's the equivalent of 50,000 pieces in an Olympic-sized pool. So they're at their wow. highest in the summertime. So if you're going to the beach, um, don't litter. Take your Pick trash home. Pick up your plastics. Um, they're actually due to oyster farmers and oyster
2: farmers. Yeah,
1: they use foam Not plastics. Actually not tourists, it's mostly because they use foam foam plastics and these get broken up after they're done with them. So they need to be doing their job to uh, cleaning that up, but also tourists and visitors. We talked about kunding, right?
2: did we talk about kunding
1: it was your
3: story
2: what about it oh back in the day oh yeah like kunding has like a lot of plastics (laughs) i i try i try and keep this out of my mind because i it's
3: depressing news
2: well like think about it like i you know the the microplastics are in the water what's in the water the fish and who eats the fish i eat the fish (laughs) so i'm eating the plastic like Mm. it's it's a cycle of sorts and it makes me nervous
3: (laughs) right Nine, yeah, and it's the
2: highest of the summer, mm-hmm. and I just had fish for dinner last night. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so,
1: uh, also one more thing: Taiwan is going to be doing its part um, by charging people for disposable utensils and containers. Mm-hmm. Taipei is going to be starting to do that really soon. So, if you want to like um, decrease the use of plastics, you can bring your own.
2: I am pro. I am and, uh, very pro that. And we're going to have to start
1: paying for those, $1 and $20, starting they with government-sponsored um, uh, stores, and then it's going to be convenience expended. stores. Yeah. It's yeah. only
2: $0.03. Cents, $0.03 cents and $0.06 cents U.S. I would
1: charge like $3. Yeah, it gives you pause, for a fork.
2: doesn't it? It gives you pause. Yeah.
1: So we're doing our part gradually. But anyways, that's all we have for you for Here in Taiwan. Thank you for joining us. For Here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So.
2: I'm Leslie Liu.
1: And I'm Catherine Wei. We'll see you next time makikotko kay nangbukis makikot
4: raho na wagi kilufalay naniyasa ko yak merkies ko maras ko tinalo ko pangas ko musaro sak bale tukiga bukis ko maras helero laku itunoh niya ula nasa
1: moketo ko yaku Laki liru, hiyak mo sa'yo simiuna wawagi. Naisam, sinah mo ang asal ka,
2: And welcome to this week's edition of hashtag# Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week we're going to be talking about travel and how it's been affected by the Covid nineteen pandemic. Now, I'm not sure about the restrictions in other countries, but for the most part, Taiwan has largely discouraged its population from traveling abroad. Officials say that people should only leave the country if there's a dire emergency. Now, Taiwan has quite a few airlines operating within its borders, and seeing how there's this big clampdown on international travel, both airports and airlines are struggling during this time, and I think that's probably something that's happening all across the globe. It doesn't matter what country you're in. But in this week's Hashtag Taiwan, we're going to explore how these airlines and airports in Taiwan have come up with creative solutions to try and offset some of the major losses they're facing during this COVID-19 pandemic. That's coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. Taiwan, I want to talk to you about travel restrictions. Hey, hey, I just said I want to talk about them. I didn't say I want to do anything about them. I said I just want to talk about travel restrictions. Not saying they're good or bad, just talking about them, all right? The COVID-19 pandemic has really messed with worldwide travel. Since March 21st, Taiwan's Central Epidemic Command Center has had the entire world on a Level 3 warning, which means that Taiwanese people should avoid unnecessary travel to the designated area. Originally, authorities were only going to implement a Level 3 warning for 23 areas on March 19th, but then the next day they said WHAM! Whole world's off limits. If you didn't know, Taiwanese people love to travel. They love they tourism. According to a survey done by travel website Agoda, 59% of Taiwanese people can't wait to travel internationally once the pandemic is over. That's the highest rate of any country surveyed. In early July, Taipei Songshan International Airport offered a fake travel experience. People checked in for a flight, went through security, got on a plane, and went nowhere. I'm not saying they went to Nowhere, Oklahoma, which is a real place, by the way. I'm saying they sat on a plane and didn't end up in a different place than where they started. People were so starved to get out of the country that they literally paid money to experience what Andrew Ryan calls the worst parts of traveling. August 8th is Father's Day in Taiwan. Major Taiwanese airlines offered special flights that day that just circled around Taiwan. They were dubbed... Pleasure flights. The planes flew low so people could see famous Taiwanese landmarks from above. And since travelers technically did leave Taiwan, they were allowed to shop at the duty-free shops upon leaving the border. EVA Airways pilots took the opportunity to draw a giant thumb in the sky with the plane's path. EVA Airways even responded to a picture of the plane's trajectory saying, we think everyone is swell. Hey man, I got this crazy idea. What are you thinking? Let's draw a giant thumb in the sky. That is genius. Getting your passengers to their destinations as quickly as possible is just good aviation, but when you're piloting a plane full of people who are just in it for the pleasure, then heck, you can get all Vincent van Gogh up in the air if you really wanted to. And that's it for this week's edition of Hashtag Taiwan. I do very much hope that you enjoyed listening about flights to nowhere. Anyway, as always, you guys are welcome to leave me a message on our Facebook pages. We have two. One is the Taiwan Insider Facebook page and the other is Radio Taiwan International's Facebook page. You can look us up or you can go straight to facebook.com radio Taiwan International or facebook.com Taiwan Insider. Leave us a message and I'll be sure to get back to you because I run both of those inboxes. Anyway, until next time, stay safe, stay happy and stay healthy. I'll be talking to you again very soon soon.
4: Country, this is the sound of Taiwan.
0: Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. This is Status Update.
5: Welcome to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. We're going to be getting to your letters, as we always do in this program. We'd just love to hear from you just what you, what programs you heard and what you think about them. But uh, before we get to your letters, though, we're going to update our own personal status a little bit here. Oh man,
6: We have a, a, quite a lot going on these days around the office. Yeah, that, that is true. Well, actually, it's not just our office. I should say... All of the offices here are... We've been told that we are going to be decorating them. Well, we have started, but uh, yeah. we have some big plans. And right. I think... How are you feeling
5: about them? Um, Nervous? Well... No, <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm kind of excited. Oh, really? Um, because you know, it's like you know, it's we're almost like the UN corridor, right, of the building. The, you were because, talking about the language, yes, foreign yes, language services. Yes, and so um, the president wants us to all kind of um, um, you know decorate each office in you know with posters or whatever, right, to indicate and, the country that you you know that you represent and we should indicate that this is the president of the station not of taiwan Uh (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you for clarifying that
6: (laughs) (laughs) by executive order (laughs) no um yeah uh so uh, in some cases multiple countries and so what we're thinking of doing is because we couldn't really think of i don't know We don't have a whole lot of English-speaking country paraphernalia lying around. So we decided that instead what we'd do is actually paint the walls. And so we're actually... I think the current plan is for us to come in one weekend and like have a pizza party
5: and paint the the walls. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Have you painted walls before? I don't think I have. And so I'm kind of looking forward to this painting weekend. (laughs) And um, the thing was that um, I think I'm excited because... I think our office is going to be, look very different from everybody else's. Because most of the other offices have pretty much, like, you know, um, put up posters and things like that. I mean, like, and, like, the Indonesian service, they right. they brought in their... Traditional puppets. Yeah, the puppets. If you're like the French service nice. or
6: something, it's very easy. You stick up an Eiffel Tower, and we're just like, uh, mm, what should we do? I
5: know. What what to represent English service, you know? Really, and, and right? It really, like... Right now, it's we used to be more, a bit more
6: diverse. It's just Americans. It's like uh...
5: right. <laughs> so at least I brought in two posters uh, of Boston. The only um, thing this I
6: could was like do was to print out. Um, you know, the Andy Warhol Campbell's soup cans. Oh, <laughs> I printed them out and taped it on the wall. I was like, there. That's my decorative abilities. <laughs> uh,
5: you did that already? Yeah. It's, oh.
6: very, it's a very small, just an A4 piece of paper, but oh that's all gosh. I could think to do. I think it'll be much nicer once we actually like ha- have it properly painted.
5: Okay. I'm an American
6: artist, it counts.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, an American artist. Um, but yeah, I mean, really... I mean, I've had these posters, you know, framed and everything for years. I mean, I've been back from Boston like thirty years now. You know, I wonder if our and listeners so, have any
6: suggestions.
5: Exactly, if you that's were to represent
6: we, the English-speaking world, yeah,
5: what would you suggest that we put up or do? Because we're kind office? of
6: stumped, actually. Like the Spanish totally. service has it really easy; they can, they have like a whole range of Latin American countries, and
5: yeah, I know. It also really. helps that I think they have a lot of stuff. Lying around, maybe I was mm-hmm. like, "What do I have at home that I could bring in?" I do I you know? have anything. I mean, I mean, honestly, what to represent English-speaking countries? I don't know. Well, I mean, so, uh, our upper management did give us ideas, you know, to say, I "Oh, a, just not, don't just limit to America. It can be the UK, it can be New Zealand, it can be
6: Australia." The problem is that we don't have any Australians at the moment, so. Uh, I don't know where we would get stuff from.
5: Well, I was thinking that I did interview someone from New Zealand, someone from Australia. Maybe I asked them for posters. I
6: don't know. Um, (laughs) I have a giant flag of the state where I'm from. (laughs) That's about the best (laughs) I can do, though. So I wonder, yeah. um, So in addition to painting, if our listeners have any suggestions for ways we can liven up the office, because I think we're going to be inspected, probably.
5: Oh, I know. Yes, that the you know RTI president actually will be coming around, you know, making rounds and just figuring out if we've really done what he's yeah. Because most of the stuff I have at
6: home is like. is from other places that and I was, visited.
5: And I was even thinking, like, years ago, I interviewed this someone from New Zealand. And he, he in his office, he had these beautiful uh, pictures of these mountain ranges in New Zealand. But the thing is, if I were to ask him for the same posters on our wall, would anybody recognize what those mountains are? I don't know. You know, they're going to come by and say, oh, what's that? Where is that? And, you know, what's the point then? Mm. I guess they want us to put up, like, you know, so, n- the... Uh, what the Statue of Liberty I don't have, have that hanging around though. I don't know. It's it like I can ask my mom, I guess. <laughs> um,
6: yeah, I mean, I have stuff that is is special to me, like from my hometown. But again, yeah. I'm not sure that's like iconic enough.
5: I know. So I think to the townies, people. They want to see things that are iconic. They want the Golden Gate Bridge, right. Big Ben, or the Sydney Statue Harbor, of Liberty, or the Opera House well, at Sydney. I don't know the uh, you know the Empire State Building, <laughs> or you know uh, the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and then I don't uh, have the
6: artistic skills to, to paint that, so we're gonna have a to poster maybe of Las
5: Vegas. We're gonna have
6: to maybe like tone it down a bit. Yeah, I think we're gonna. Um, well, first we're going to have a, a
5: color scheme. Andrew has yes. suggested. What did he suggest? A fuchsia colored fuchsia. It's colored going to be quite to bold. The the back wall yeah, at the very end of our office. Um, then, we have a pretty big office actually. Yeah. And 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 then and then if you were like when people walk in, the first thing they're going to see is Just that fuchsia colored back wall. Yes, <laughs> but, but then when you leave our office, you're going to turn around and see that. Um, well. Andrew's saying about some shade of green on the wall. I don't know. He's the artistic mastermind around here. And he actually showed us a picture from, you know, a picture of a room decorated Mm -hmm. with this uh, painted, this fuchsia colored wall with some green blanket, right? It works. Yeah, it really does look nice together. It pops out. But I think on top of that, we're still
6: expected to have stuff,
5: right? Stuff. Um, well, I so, have my Boston
6: posters. <laughs> that's, Natalie has some Hawaiian pictures that she got when she was in Hawaii. I think. So.
5: Oh, Okay. Um, and and then <laughs> where
6: Leslie? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Leslie's Leslie has- the best. <laughs> Leslie's is the best. Okay.
5: He got the he got the uh, Captain America's shield. <laughs> it's part of an old Halloween costume. It works. It works. It's a beautiful shield. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit so small gonna- to like. Oh, it's. It's kind of like the wall is huge. Yeah, I know. we're gonna have to because think of some stuff. we have a stuff. big office, um, and then for the pillars, a couple of the pillars, Andrew has the idea of painting it black because it'll be the kind of paint where we can write or draw on with chalk. Oh, that's fun! Yeah, so we can change things. We can, you know, we get tired of this logo or tired of that paint, um, that drawing, and then we can erase it and, erase start it over. and yeah, and we can so. leave messages. To right. Each other too, <laughs> or compliment each other. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, if
6: you have any ideas, I can ideas... do a
5: caricature of John. <laughs>
6: oh, can you? I didn't know you were a caricature. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding. Now
5: you're putting now pressure I see on this. <laughs> me. Okay, I'll try.
6: <laughs> uh, if you have any ideas for what we should put on our walls, I know for the English service office. Okay, what to you represents the exactly. English speaking world? You know it's so hard. The decision is on is in your hands. Write <laughs> us in and write us a note and let us know what you think.
5: Please do. We really want to hear your great ideas. Anyway, let's get to the letters. All right. And as always, we love to hear from you. Just uh, what programs you listen to, and how the quality was, and you know what you think about the programs. But uh, the address, if you're writing us letters, it's PO Box one two three dash PO Box one two three and nine Taipei Taiwan. Or if you want to write us an email,
6: you can reach us at RTI at RT i.org.tw As always, our Facebook page and YouTube channel are updated regularly, and we look forward to reading your comments there too, so stop by and check them out. All right. Well, John, why don't you start off with the first letter? Okay. Uh, we got one here from Jan to who's writing to us from New Delhi in India. It says, Dear friends at RTI, I'm happy to report on one of your interesting and informative programs, Daily News, which I enjoyed listening to on August 12th, 2020 on shortwave radio. Reception conditions were good with strong signal strength. I would request a ver- for a verification of the report with a printed QSL card as well. When the current conditions improve or the situation allows, I think we can do that. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 does not stop QSL cards. (laughs) Um, This is once again a report about our August 12th broadcast. Uh, He listened in from 1600 to 1630 UTC on 9405 kilohertz, once again from New Delhi. Uh, In New Delhi, the reception quality was all fours. And there are some details below. Uh, the following topics interested me. The Taiwanese president, Tsai Ing-wen, called upon China to communicate with the freedom-loving people of Hong Kong rather than oppose them. This was against the backdrop of the arrest of Hong Kong activist Agnes Chow and media tycoon Jimmy Lai. Both the arrests are against the tenets of freedom of speech and democracy. Then it says, good news for Taiwan and the world. Taiwan's National Development Council ministry gives the welcoming news of the country's telecom firms, gearing up for introducing 5 g technology. The government's focusing on a variety of uses like smart transport, automatic vehicles, and manufacturing, remote healthcare, and education. The use of this high-tech tool is enormous, which will benefit the economy and society in a revolutionary way. Wishing all at Radio Taiwan International good health, safety, and happiness. Warm regards from India. That comes to us once again from Jayanta Chakrabarty. Also wish us good luck in painting. <laughs> I hope we don't mess it up too badly. Yeah, really. All
5: right. Okay. All right. I a letter here from Tim Braille of Malaysia it says here dear friends at Radio Taiwan International please find below three reception reports for the month of August 2020 and your verification that's QSL cards would be again much appreciated well no problem with that so he listened in the first one is for on August 2nd and uh, at 15320 kilohertz, symbol rating was wow five across the board excellent and then um, so there was a uh, I believe that's Time Traveler not Time Capsule hosted by John Ventrias we could, we could name it Time Capsule <laughs> I don't object to that that's kind of nice huh <laughs> okay and profiled Japanese colonial rule in Taipei and Taiwan Expo in 1935 with robots industrialized sugar processing labor relations and outside world impressions then uh, then Ear to the Ground hosted by Andrew Ryan looking at the artillery base and eight howitzers used on the outline islands to defend Taiwan, as well as the Peace Bell, forged from melted artillery shells that China pelted the island with in the 1950s. Then Feast Meets West, hosted by Alan Chu and and Ryan again, who included a couple of RTI interns from Malaysia and uh, eastern Taiwan. They looked at an indigenous food, fried snail dish. Oh, I had... A mouth of that. Yeah. It was good. It was very chewy. Okay. In Eastern Taiwan, and fried garlic and the difference between French and Taiwanese snails and the mention of making white bread in next week's uh, segment. Music included memories, the smell of lemongrass and Jizo snails. Oh, he had a song about snails. And hush from a crab to a snail. That's, those are the from songs. From a Crab to a Snail. Yeah, that's, that's like a the poem. name of a song. <laughs> I know. Okay. Oh, from the Hush Band. Okay. And then he also listened in on August 4th. And uh, again... Oh, this time at 9405 kilohertz. A simple rating was not as good. 45343. Strong signal, no interference, but noisy atmospheric conditions made reception less than ideal. Um, He listened to Here in Town, hosted by me, Andrew, and Leslie. And featuring reports on cheese ice cream. Um, Airline EVA Air promoting low-level flights over outlying Taiwanese islands. Oh, we're talking about these um, not really flying anywhere, but uh, just... Trips getting, to nowhere. Yeah, trips <laughs> to nowhere, but just letting people get a feeling that they're going abroad. And then driverless public buses. Also, a hashtag hosted by Leslie Liao talking on the Power Jackpot Lottery. And then our status update about flowers, vegetables, and flora in general at farmer's markets. Uh, about baby panda, uh, Roro. But now she should have an official email. now Soon. Soon, yeah. I'm not soon. sure when that is. Actually, no, not quite yet. Okay, so then again on August tenth, uh, back to one five three two zero kilohertz. Simple rating was five 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 four four. A little bit better. Um, he listened to Curious John, hosted by you, John. Ooh and took listeners on a trip to the National History Museum of Taiwan, which has a four-part exhibition on the migration and history of Taiwan. And then in the spotlight, that's a program hosted by me, continued her interview of sociologist and professor who was a newcomer to Taiwan. Oh, yes, it was Malabika Das. Um, She's from Nepal, actually, and her husband works for... Chanel. Okay. Then, um, news playlist hosted by Paula Chow reported on a town military training activity firing weapons for high school students. Whoa, high school students. Okay. And then about a baby panda at the Taipei Zoo. And, and then on, uh, this week online. Is that his name? No, I think that's On The Line. Yeah, On The Line by Carlson Wong, featured Germany, Taiwan Chamber of Commerce official who spoke about trade ties between the two countries despite COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you so much for the details. That was again, Kim Timbrail of Malaysia. We've got a letter here from
6: uh, Brian Newell writing to us from Logansport, Indiana in the US. And uh, you're very environmentally conscious this week, Shirley. It's a double-sided letter, so I'm going to have to be flipping around <laughs> here a bit. Uh, excuse the flipping sounds. Uh, This is a stack of reports from our recent broadcasts. Uh, Among the programs Brian listened to uh, was, again, uh, the interview you did, Shirley, with Malabika Das, Mm. a teacher at NTU that we just mentioned. There was an episode of uh, Here in Taiwan that Catherine and I did, and this featured some fun ones, some fun stories. Uh, Well, not all of them. For instance, there was a Formosan blue magpie that was had a cigarette in its mouth, and so it's... Oh, no. Yeah, they're trying to tell people to stop littering, but it was yeah. an actual photo that someone took. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, important message there. That an Italian woman who moved into an empty house and has to pay back 11 months' rent and damages from redecorating. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> oh, um, Yeah. Let's see. And there is here Natalie's interview with Audrey Tang, our digital minister and a super genius extraordinaire, uh, who says that uh, you've got to trust the citizens and also how to handle mask protests in the US. Um, there's also uh, an episode of Feast Meets West, uh, in which uh, there is a discussion about uh, having been out of school since May. And Uh, talking about long purple eggplants and a tile tips for a recipe. So that comes to us once again from Brian Newell of Logansport, Indiana in the U.S.
5: All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And that's it for this week's status update. We do love to hear from you. So keep us, uh, you know, keep writing us letters. Keep us updated. Keep us updated, yes. On your status. Right. And also about, you know, what programs you listen to and uh, what you think about them. And also any tips for how to decorate our (laughs) English
6: service. We're desperate. Help us.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, but uh, if you intend to write by hand and send us a a letter in the mail, the address is PO Box 123- one nine nine Taipei, Taiwan.
6: You can reach us by email at RTI at RTI.org.tw and also be sure to leave us a note on Facebook or on our YouTube channel. Until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Goodbye. Bye for now.